Well, the preachers are upset with Jesus again. They're sitting in the front row and they're grumbling. You can just kind of hear them. Well, I don't know. If you lean in and listen closely, you can hear him say, this fellow welcomes sinners. And he eats with them too. Because everyone knows it's one thing to welcome somebody, but it's quite another to, to eat with them. But that's Jesus' style. And so they're grumbling. Because it just doesn't compute. Now the way I imagine the scene unfolding is like this. He's, Jesus is surrounded by throngs of people, all the wrong kinds of people, tax collectors, sinners, commoners, you know the kind. He's out by the highways and the hedges doing his preacher thing. And uh, many are not the kind of folks that, uh, that you'd bring home to mother. But while he's preaching, uh, he, he overhears these preachery preacher types grumbling and turns his attention to them. Now everyone else is overhearing and he's speaking to the front row and he starts telling stories. Now which one of you, having a hundred sheep and one going astray, wouldn't leave the 99 behind and go find them and search until you found them? And upon finding it, which one of you wouldn't drape the sheep over your shoulders and come home rejoicing? And which one of you wouldn't, once you got home, throw a big party and invite the whole neighborhood? Everybody's kind of looking puzzled at Jesus. I don't don't know about that. All right, well, then which one of you, having ten paychecks and losing one, wouldn't put fresh batteries in your flashlight and look under every pillow on the couch and pull up every rug and pull up some of the floorboards, knock on the sheetrock. And upon finding it, which which one of you wouldn't call all of your friends and have a big party to celebrate that you found your paycheck? Now, I'd be willing to bet at least one silver coin. At this point, the grumbling cohort of goody two-shoes are looking at each other awkwardly and saying, well, I don't know. Uh, Anyone who would do that, buddy, would you do that? Uh, Joe, you lose one sheep, you you leave the whole flock behind? No, I wouldn't do that. Uh, Hey, Sally, would you, if you lost one paycheck, would you turn, would you spend a whole day looking? I don't think I, I don't know. I don't think I would do that. Uh, Mr. Jesus, we aren't following And Jesus just looks at him and winks and he smiles. Now, I think it's probably obvious to most of you that I do not have a degree in livestock management. (laughs) But I am willing to wager that most of the really good shepherds out there, in fact, would not indefinitely abandon an entire flock of sheep just to find one lollygagger. I imagine they would especially not leave the entire flock in the wilderness until you found the straggler, which is where this shepherd leaves. 
Sure, in the protected realm of the farm where you have barns and you have fences and you have extra hands to keep an eye on the flock while you go out some other part of the farm to find the, the straggler, sure. But in the wilderness, in the wilderness, there's foxes, hawks, and coyotes. It's completely out of proportion. Sorry, we lost that one. Cost of doing business. You've seen that little TikTok video of the young shepherd trying to pull the little lamb out of the crevice. It's like a thin, deep crevice, a ditch right on the the edge of a field, and he's he's pulling him out by his hind leg, and he gets the sheep out, and then the, the little lamb runs down the length of the crevice and jumps and leaps almost over it and falls right back in. I really identify with that lamb. That lamb speaking to me. Uh, Nor do I have a degree in accounting, but a simple cost-benefit analysis tells me that it would be unwise to leave a stack of nine $100 bills in the food court to go around the whole mall looking for one that blew off the top. Wildly disproportionate and unwise risk. Call me cautious, but I'm going to just call that a loss. Take my medicine and be more careful next time. You know, one wonders at this point in this series of parables if Jesus is toying with these religious leaders because these parables aren't asking reasonable, sensible questions. Risk nine out of ten to save one? Risk 99 out of 100 to save one? The question isn't who wouldn't do that. The question is who on earth would And there's the rub. Parable always has a little trick it plays on us. I don't believe these parables are primarily about the Pharisees or the scribes or the tax collectors or the sinners or or the commoners or anyone in attendance. They aren't about our character. They aren't about our virtues or our extraordinary efforts or our good deeds These parables do not describe us to ourselves. These parables, I believe, are glimpses of God telling us what God is like. What is God like? God is disproportionate. God's love is all out of proportion. God is like a shepherd who loves a lost sheep enough to risk losing all the rest until until he saves the one. It's beyond all reason why anybody would do that. Why would he do that? God is like a, a woman who works one whole day to retrieve a wage that's worth one whole day. Her actions are out of proportion with all sense and sensibility. Who would, why would she do that? I want to preach the parables to you in this way today because I know so many of us uh, have heard it a different way. 
Perhaps sometime in your life you've, you've had God described to you in a different way. Uh, perhaps you grew up in a church or you heard a sermon once upon a time that gave you a, a wrong impression about God. Um, if you did, it was probably a grandchild or a great-grandchild sermon of Jonathan Edwards' famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. You might have had to read that one time in school. I had to read it like 10 times in seminary. <laughs> and I want to tell you why I don't like that sermon. Now, I love Jonathan Edwards, a good man, great man. Uh, appreciate him very much. Don't like that sermon. I don't like that sermon because it makes God's wrath more interesting than God's grace. If you go back and you read the sermon, it is incredible. It scared the bejesus out of everybody in the sanctuary at the time. People were ducking behind the pews. They were looking at the floor, waiting for it to open up and swallow them. And by the end of the sermon, Jonathan Edwards is preaching about God's wrath. It's going to overwhelm them. It's covering them. And they need to run for the hills as though it were a tsunami that was approaching. And they're going to have to increase their elevation if they were going to get out alive. But that sermon forgets a little phrase in both of these parables that ties them together. Both the shepherd and the woman are looking for the lost until they find it. The time even is all out of proportion. Throwing caution to the wind. I'm going to look and look for this lost soul or this lost coin until I find it. We get early clues about God throwing caution to the wind to find people. Adam and Eve, where did you go? Huh? Who told you you were naked? Ah. And into the wilderness to find Jacob, the trickster Jacob, the sinner Jacob, the fleeing Jacob, to wrestle with him and to bless him and to say, you shall no longer be called Jacob but Israel because you have striven with God and with human beings and you have prevailed. And out into the wilderness again to find the sulking Elijah. Elijah, what in the Sam Hill are you doing out here? Get back on the saddle and get back to work. I'm not writing these sermons for you. And Zacchaeus, I see you up there, very clever. Didn't buy a ticket, climbed a tree. Time to come down. I'm coming to your house today. And the whole town, what? He's going to whose house? No, you're leaving all the salt of the earth, people that, that run this town behind you. You can go sit down and eat with him. But that is what God is like. The gates of hell do not prevail against the God who looks for each one of us lost ones until he finds us. This God of ours has a peculiar habit of leaving everything else behind to go find people like us. 
castaways and derelicts and ne'er-do-wells, the outsiders, commoners, sinners, and maybe a few tax collectors. This is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. This is the God of Jesus Christ. Believe in him. What is this God's first love? This gracious God appears to enjoy nothing more than leaving the rest behind and go find the one astray. So I want to say to each one of you believers, this is what God is like. This is what God's love is like, all out of proportion. And I want to say to the atheist today who says, I don't believe in God. I want you to say, to think about how much more interesting a sentence is that, be- that begins with, God believes in you. Much more interesting than a sentence that starts with, I don't believe. Watch your sentences. Watch your verbs. Or to the agnostic who says, I believe in God, but I don't know what kind of God this is I believe in. There's some God out there I know spinning the world around, but I don't understand the details. Well, here's a detail. This is the kind of God who comes after you. This is what God is like, and this is the particularity of the character of God. God keeps coming and seeking and searching just for you. Now the cool fall mornings are upon us. One of my favorite parts of Walking out into the cool morning is how you can see your breath. That first morning, you can see your breath out in front of you. I want you to imagine yourself on a cool fall morning. All the flock is out enjoying the time. But you wander off. You go astray. You didn't quite mean to do it, but it, one thing led to another, and you wandered off from the flock, and now you don't feel their warmth anymore. You feel the cold of the air around you, and you look and turn around and see that now you are the one who is lost, and you can't find your way back. And you're alone, and you're cold, and you're afraid. Do you know what that feels like? And all of a sudden, you feel the pressure of hands and arms around you. And you feel yourself being lifted up and placed and draped over some shoulders. And now you see not only your breath and the vapor, but the vapor of another's breath. And you hear a voice saying into your ear, did you think I'd forgotten you? It's time to go home. I've prepared a table just for you. Friends, who all did you think this party was for? Verse 